0: Welcome to this week's message from A New Church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Happy Pentecost Sunday. What a great day in the church calendar to be gathered together the day where we remember and celebrate the moment where the Holy Spirit was poured out upon 120 people gathered together and and the church changed forever because no longer was God in a box or just in a one man, but He was available for all of us. And God's presence became available for each and every one of us. And, And not only that, He chose to make us His new temple. And so the, the, this, this celebration, this day, I don't know why it's not as big of a celebration as Easter and, and as Christmas, because this has got to be, like, this is where we get our power. This is Jesus, even Jesus said, like, it would be better for you. He said to his disciples who he's with, you've got Jesus face to face looking at you and he says, it would be better for you that I leave so that the Holy Spirit could come. And so I'm expectant, I'm going to preach a word today, um, but I'm expectant that God is going to pour his spirit out. And so, towards the end of the message, we're going to have a ministry time. And I just prepare your heart. I believe God wants to do something powerful. Um, so, I'm just going to do a little bit more introduction, uh, mainly because it helps uh, my message. Um, I basically don't want to say anything that's not worthwhile. Um, so,. Uh just a little bit more about me. If you haven't met me yet, my name my name is Mitch um Michelli, uh if it's the full full version. My family's from Italy. And um I I was saved in a town called Rangiora. Uh Chris F. was my uh, lead pastor at the time. Um, I came along to a youth ministry on a Friday night. The worship sucked. There was two guys that that was their assessment of the night, not mine. The, the worship was very, that uh, all of the youth band had just left and gone to another church, and um, as happens sometimes, and it was two guys, um, and they one was a drumming, the other was playing guitar. He had an acoustic guitar, and he, they tried to do a praise song, and it just it was it was a flop. Um, but I looked around the room at all these people, hands lifted up, uh, worshiping, and I was like, whatever they have, it's so genuine. I want it. And so I went on this journey. I, I met the, the drummer. His name was Connor. He actually lives in Whangarei. He uh, goes to Bethel. Um, and Connor, really just from the moment I uh, first met him, took me under his wing and um, really mentored and discipled me. Um, and, and from the early days, I remember Connor teaching me like how to read the Bible. And he would teach me, I remember remember the first verse he told me I had to go and learn was uh, James 1, 17. Um, And and then he got me to go away and learn it, and and I I memorized it, and then um, I had to come back, and then he went, okay, well, what does it mean? And he sent me away again for a week. And so he got me to learn what the verse said, and then he spent a week just constantly reminding me, hey, what's God saying to you out of this word today? And so he really taught me how to um, how, how to read scripture and, and started a journey of loving loving the Bible. But he also taught me how to how to worship. He he would teach me how to pray for people. He would teach me how to pray for for sick people. And um, we used to just have a, a whole lot of fun together. Um, you know, he taught me how to speak in tongues. Well, actually, no. Christia, yeah, second night as a Christian, came and did a Holy Spirit fire night at youth. And, um, and I started speaking in tongues. I brought a friend along with me. He freaked out at the whole thing, fell on the floor so that he could avoid receiving prayer and just said Hakuna Matata on repeat. So um, if you freak out later during some ministry time, you don't want to receive anything, you can fall down and also just say Hakuna Matata as well. And we'll know to back off. But this guy, uh, Connor, he was only, he was, only, um, he, he was I, I was 15 at the time, um, 14, 15 at the time. He was, I was a year nine, year 10. And he was a year 12. And so he was only a couple years older than me. He used to come check on me. Um, and I, I say that because I just wanted to remind you the, the value of discipleship. That actually when people become a Christian, it you have to go on the process of being taught by another Christian how to read the Bible. If you get this book and you go off by yourself, you end up like a cult because you you, you don't have the two thousand years of context to help you to understand it, and you don't have a mother and father to help you like rein you in. And so it's really important that that we're discipled. Anyway, I um I went off, studied music, and ended up um, the worship pastor at our, at our church down in um, Rangiora. We talked about that a bit um, last week. And then um, a couple years later, my wife, Larissa, who was kids pastor and I, we ended up as youth pastors, so on and so forth. You know the story. God spoke to us in January. We were in ministry. God spoke to us and asked us to move to Whangarei. Um And... Um, and so that's a little bit about me, that'll come back in later, but I, re- I want to preach a message today called Unauthorized Fire, um, and this is a message I wrote for the high school students here um, at Renew, and so if you go to school, you will have heard it before, uh, but hopefully it's a little bit um, more refined, because this is the second time preaching it, I might be a little bit more clear, so um, why don't you grab the hand of the person next to you, and let's pray together today. Oh Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that as we gather around your word today, you would speak to us, Lord. We thank you that uh, that we are your sheep. You are the shepherd, and, and your sheep hear your voice. And so today, would would it not be my words uh, that would be would would be heard, Lord? But would you speak to your people? Um, and God, would you use your word to to shape us and mold us and disciple us? We love your presence. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. "Amen, Amen." Now, if you're a bunch of young adults, I would have gotten you to squeeze the hand of the person next to you if you wanted to date them? But that's because we want to get those people married and out of the single life. But um, <laughs> so I want to I want to spend most of um, my time today in the book of Leviticus. Um, and uh, why? What was there laughter at that? It's a great. Passage now. Leviticus is a book. It's written by Moses. Um, it's another name for it is the third book of Moses. Um, it's right there. If you've never read it before, it's right there at the start of your Bible. And um, on on that note, this is the Bible um I was given when I the night I got saved. Um, and Larissa a few years ago went and got it covered, um, it, for me, which is pretty cool. So now it's leather and it it has my name in gold. Um, but. Um, the book of Exodus. So it's it's so Exodus is before Leviticus, and just uh, you know just make sure we're all on the same page. And Exodus really is this, is the story of God saving Israel, and God saves them. He leads them out of the world out of out of um slavery. And, and then the book of Leviticus, God sets up the tribe of Levi. Levi is a book about the Levites. Uh, uh, sorry, Leviticus is a book about the Levites. Um, he sets up the tribe of Levi to be his, the, the, the priests for the nation. And so he sets them free from slavery, but he doesn't set them free from something without, setting them, wanting, them to take, to, without wanting to take them in a direction. And he set them free, not, not solely for the promised land. He set them free from Egypt for his presence, because God's ultimate desire always is to be with his people. God's ultimate desire throughout all of Scripture is to be with His people. And so the book of Leviticus is this book that helps us to understand what, how a holy God can dwell in the middle of sinful people. And that's what this book is about. And, and I would encourage you, sit down and read it cover to cover. If you're a vegetarian, it's going to be super hard. It it is it is brutal at points, and we're going to read some of that today. Um, but it's helpful for us to understand the links and the measures a, a God had to set up to allow His presence to be near to His people. And so this is uh, this is what I've taken out of a um, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. It says this. Um, The book of Exodus, we see the story of God delivering the people of Israel, and God tells them he wants his presence to be with the people. Um, God has been so gracious to take up residence among Israel, but how are they to respond? And this is what Leviticus is all about. How do we respond to God's presence? How do we respond? Um, So there's a few key characters in the story today. I love uh, love Bible characters. I, I talked about that last week. Um, so hopefully you're aware of Moses. Um, you've probably heard of him. If you haven't read him about him in the Bible, um, you've probably seen Prince of Egypt. Um, but Moses is—he's—you he, know—he's writing this. He's the key character. But um, in this book, really, it's—it's it's, it's less about Moses and it's mainly about his brother Aaron. Now Aaron is the the man chosen to be high priest. And if you look at his story, uh, you'll see why did God choose this guy? Because he's stuffed up. He was the guy that makes the golden calf and under the people's request. And so he's he's already given into peer pressure, but still God chose him. And I just want to say to you today, it doesn't matter what was in your past. It doesn't matter what you'd been through previously. God, If God's chosen you, it doesn't matter. If God's called you, it doesn't matter. And, and maybe that's just for one person, but it doesn't matter what yesterday looked like, if, if you turn towards God today, He, 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 like, he, he will still use you. Um, and so Aaron, he's the high priest. He's a Levite. He's Moses' brother. He's in the family. Um, and the, he's, he's the, like, the leader of the church in Israel. And then his two sons, Nadab and Abihu. Now, if you need biblical names and you're having kids soon, uh, Nadab would be a fantastic one. Uh, I think that would go down a real treat. Um, your kid will love you, I promise. Um, but there's two, two brothers, Nadab and Abihu. Now, they are, they are Aaron's sons. And so they're, they're in the family. They're, they're a part of the priestly family. And they're not the high priests, but they are priests. And so they're a part of the crew. They're, they're a part of what God's doing. Okay, so so we got Aaron, Moses, Nadab, and Abihu. Let's read this together. Leviticus chapter 9. We were going to read the whole passage, the whole uh, chapter, but I'm just going to skip through a few bits um, just for the sake of time, really. It says this, uh, on the first slide up there, on the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, Take for yourselves a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And say to the people of Israel, take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both a year old without blemish for a burnt offering and an ox and a ram for the peace offerings to sacrifice to the Lord and a grain offering mixed with oil. Here's the key verse. For the Lord will appear to you. And so all of this stuff, all of the offerings, all the things he's gathering together, is for the purpose that God is about to appear. He's about to show his glory. And and I, I... I say that because I believe God is saying, I want to appear to you. Uh, God's saying to his people today, to us, I want to show up. I want to do something. And, and even this is, though this is the Old Testament, um, the Old Testament can, is, is, conceals the truth of the New Testament. The, 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 the truths that we believe now in the New Covenant are concealed within the Old Testament. They're there, we just often don't see them. So God wants to appear to us, and he wants to appear today. I I really do believe that. Down to verse 8, it says this. This is where it gets really interesting. So Aaron drew near to the altar and killed the calf for the sin offering, which which was for himself. And the sons of Aaron presented the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put horn, and put it on the horns of the altar and poured out the blood from the base of the altar, but the fat and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering he burned on the altar, as the Lord commanded Moses. The flesh and the skin he burned up on the fire outside the camp. Next slide. Then he killed the burnt offering. And Aaron's sons, so Nadab and Abi, who were helping with this right now, Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar. And they handed him the burnt, and they handed the burnt offering to him, piece by piece, and the head, and he burned them on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs and burned them with the burnt offerings on the altar. This is messy. There is blood everywhere. There is like it's kind of spraying. It's worse than any golf film um, we could make. There's, this this is messy. And so often in Western culture, we've made sin so neat and tidy. But I, I actually I wanted to read this today because this is what God sees when He looks at sin. This is this is the mess God sees that sin creates in our life. And and, and so often we we can make it so neat and easy, nice and easy, and neat and clean, and we put it off in the back room and we don't talk about it. But this is what sin. Looks like through the eyes of God. Now, obviously, there is grace and all of that, and that's another message. But this is what God sees. This is the kind of mess sin will make in our lives. Verse twenty-two. It says this. Then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them, and and came down from the from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. There is a lot of animals. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, and they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. The fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. So we see that it worked they 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 went through the procedures the steps they did all of the right things and god's presence was poured out we see that that his glory was seen that that there was that fire came out there was this worship service i can imagine it was an incredible moment as uh god's presence is seen as in such um you know Terror and wildness, and, and, and his presence is like fire flying around. And I, I can imagine the people of Israel were like, This is what I was born for. Like, I was born to be in, in this presence, I was born to, 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 to see the glory of the Lord. We see Aaron approaches God the way he's asked, Aaron does the right steps to, to approach God correctly. Now let's read about his sons, Nadab and Abihu. Um, This is what it says, verse 10. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. So here we see a picture of following the right steps and the offering being accepted, and God showing His glory, versus Nadab and Abihu, who just do it their own way. They try to do it in their own strength. They don't. They haven't listened. They are in the right family. They're Levites. They've got that. That they're gonna be the high priest probably one day they've got all of the right stuff, but they offered unauthorized fire, which was outside of what God had asked. And and it wasn't it it doesn't say that the Lord killed them. It says the fire killed them. It was the fire that, that says here that they um they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord and the fire and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. So the offering, the thing that they were trying to give God ended up burning them. I wrote this down, the, the boys here, they offer what was displeasing to God, and it was the fire that they offered that killed them. Romans 12, 1 tells us this, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, and acceptable to God. This is your true spiritual worship. And so we we know that our, our whole life now is this offering. But I think so often we think that we can do Christian life however we want, but because we've misunderstood what God desires from us, the offering we bring ends up burning us instead of us burning for God. Here's the good news: Jesus dies for our sins. He becomes the offering that makes us holy before God so we can come and approach Him anytime. Praise God. Praise God that we don't have to sacrifice animals each Sunday to gather, you know, to gather together. We can come and approach Him anytime. We don't need to take the long lobe of the liver and wave it in the air and put you know, blood on our right ears to approach the Lord. We don't have to do any of that. But Christianity can't be done your way. It's got to be done his way. He actually tells us what he likes. He tells us how he wants us to approach him. And we would be foolish not to listen. Because with Nadab and Abihu, they didn't listen to how they were meant to approach God. And, and they, they approached him incorrectly and the offering burned them. And I think so often we, we try to do Christianity our own way. We try to take our own spin. We try to like take our verses out of context or, or, or drop parts of the Bible and do it our own way. And we get burned because our lives aren't actually the way God has asked us to live. Because our bodies are the living sacrifice now. God's not going to kill you. So don't worry about that but it would be a good idea to listen to him. It would actually be a great idea. Um, and I want to focus the second part of the message um, on a interaction on, uh, in John 4. And this is another moment uh, where um, worship is addressed. And I just want to give some background before we read the passage just to help you understand. So there's, you'll know it so well, there's a, a Jesus who was a Jew and there is the Samaritan woman and um and so the Samaritan woman is obviously Samaritan um, and so deuteronomy twelve five this isn't um, up on the screen, but it says this uh, you shall seek the place the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation and so um in Deuteronomy God says there's a place that I'm going to ask you to come and worship that I'm, I'm going to tell you there's a place that I'm going to ask you and so Samaritans believe the first five books of the Bible. They agree with the Pentateuch. Um, and so they, they believed that. And so they would look at, they, they, they looked at a mountain where, um, where Abraham's first encounter with God took place as the place where worship should happen because they read Deuteronomy 12 5 that God would pick a place and they said well this makes sense to us this is what our far you know this this is the place we've we've chosen so they have this mountain where they worship the Jews on the other hand have the rest of the Old Testament and they see through what God does with David that Jerusalem becomes the place where God wants to be worshipped makes sense so so they, they agree on the fundamentals about the first five books, but they, they have these disagreements about what happened from then on. Um, and so this woman is talking to Jesus, and I'm sure you're aware of the story. If you're not, she, he asks her, hey, do you want to talk about your husband? And she's like, how did you know? You must be a prophet. I've, I don't have a husband. I've, I've had five. And anyway, they, they talk about that. You, you, I, I misrepresented all of that conversation pretty much. But uh, it's not really important for this moment. Um, and so they have this conversation. They're talking about it. And she realizes he's a prophet. And so she asks him the question. And we read the question is, is it meant to be on a mountain or in a temple? And Jesus hears her asking, what's the procedure to approach God for worship, what, what, how am I meant to approach God? Because that's the question. How do I approach God? This is what it says: John four twenty to twenty four. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, "Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, or um, is coming, where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father." You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. This is what she says, what he says, but the hour is coming and is now here where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so she's asking the question about procedure. She's asking, what's the location? Am I meant to worship God on a mountain? Am I meant to worship God in the temple? Is it meant to be, you know, am I meant to worship God in Texas or somewhere in Africa? Am I meant to, like, how am I meant to approach God? I'm not sure there's confusion. What's the location? What's the procedure? And Jesus responds, he says, oh, it's not about a location anymore. It was, but it's it's not about that anymore. God's not worried about a location. He's worried about your heart. He's he's less worried about where you do it and and when you do it and and how often and all of those things. But He's more worried about your heart. Because your body is a living sacrifice. It's no longer the temple or the, the once a year. It's an every day, the whole time, all the time. You're the sacrifice. But Jesus tells us what the Father's looking for. He says this, The Father is looking and seeking for such people, people who worship Him in spirit and truth. I really believe that one of the biggest problems that we face in Western Christianity right now Is Christians pick one or the other? We either have truth Christians or spirit Christians. We have people who have great encounters and Holy Spirit meetings and wave their flags in the air and and jump around and you know like sing about how God has made them holy, like a circle. Um, That was just for for Chris that joke. Um, I'll tell you about it some other time. Uh, But we either have that or we have Christians who. You know, we, we believe in Father, Son and the Holy Bible. And, and, and all we want to do is understand theology and understand, you know, deep, deep ideas that no one's, you know, no one's ever going to practically use and there's no practical element to our faith and, and we actually don't have encounters with God. And obviously this church, it doesn't have anybody like either of those in it. But I really, I really believe that Jesus makes it clear to us that what the Father is looking for is people who worship in spirit and truth. People who who, who have encountered but also are grounded in truth. I want to tell you about a friend. And I talked about Connor at the start because he was with me praying this night. And, um, and this is one of those times where he taught me to pray. And so we had a friend. I'm going to keep a lot of it um, unclear because I don't want to. You know, for his sake, I, I want to keep it the story uh, clear, unclear. But anyway, basically, um, he came to youth and he was pretty quiet. And we we're like, "What is up? This guy was normally popping off." He's like, "You know, what's going on, guys?" <laughs> like always intense. And um, and and he, anyway, he's really quiet. And so after after youth off uh, uh, Friday night, this is maybe I was 16 at the time. And um. He says, oh, um, can, I, can I talk to you? And so me, Connor, and one other guy are talking to him. And, and he starts to tell us about the fact that he, um, he's just been to the doctor and has had a diagnosis that he's got cancer. And, um, and he'd had cancer as a baby. And because of that, he actually he couldn't see out of one of his eyes. Um, and, and so this guy, he, um, we prayed for him man did we pray I just remember just we we prayed and prayed and prayed that God would heal him and it was a powerful moment Um, I could take you to the very spot where he was doubled over while me Connor and this one other guy are praying for him and this is because Connor discipled me he included me in the prayer and, and and because of that I was there in the moment when this happened And so we're praying for him, and and afterwards we kind of talk about it, and he's like, I'm going back to the doctor uh, later, um, and basically I'm going to get a diagnosis whether this is like they can treat it, whether I'm going to lose my eye. Um, And like so he was facing potentially being blind. Anyway, this guy goes to the doctor the next week, It's been about three or four days since his last visit. They're pretty urgent to get him in because they were really worried about it spreading. Um, And he went to the doctor. He got the scans done. And the doctor comes back and he says, I'm not really sure what has happened. Because this is completely clear. And there's, there's no cancer here. And all of a sudden, he starts trying to explain it away, and he's like, oh, maybe we, we mucked up last time, or maybe we do another one. And so they did another test, and it came back completely clear. All of a sudden, my friend starts telling him about, he was like, well, I, I got prayer on Friday Night at Youth, and all of a sudden, this, and he, this guy realized, man, I had a cancer, and God's healed me. Um, and it was an incredible, powerful story and we used to talk about it all the time. I, that was like my go-to testimony when I wanted to build faith in the room uh, for so long. This guy was an incredible worship leader. When he would play and lead worship, He, would, man, you could just feel the presence of God would fall in a different way than what it would when other people would lead worship. He just carried something incredible. But his life wasn't rooted in truth. I watched him as opportunities came as he grew older go to the left and to the right. And when, when, when things came up that conflicted with Christianity in his life, he chose to walk in another direction. And this guy who, who had a miracle of God healing him from cancer, I haven't seen him in church for years. And so there's no amount of spiritual encounter that's gonna keep people in a relationship with God. There's no amount of it that'll keep people coming long-term. But on the same, on the same side, there's no amount of unders- of knowing and reading the Bible and, and, and getting stuck in the truth that will ever lead people to a faith-filled, enjoyable life. I, I know so many Christians, not in this church uh, or in the previous church I went to, but I know of so many Christians who are bitter grumpy and you go man is is there any fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life you know love peace joy like is do you have any of that and and you go like how are you reading the same book but because they 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 hear the words but haven't had the the encounter they're not regularly going back to God's presence spirit and truth they become old and stale and I don't want to be old and stale I'm happy to be old. I don't want to be stale, though. I, I, I don't want to be stale. I don't want to have a stale faith. I want to come on Pentecost Sunday expectant that God is going to blow the roof off the place. I want to come going, man, I don't know what God is going to do at Renew this Sunday. I, don't, I can't even fathom what's going to happen as we begin to sing and God's presence falls as we, as we gathered together. But I also want to continue to be a Christian. I don't want to fall away from the faith because I haven't rooted my life in truth. Man, the scariest parable for me is this one where Jesus is talking about the seed and the sower and he talks about the seed that is met with joy but when, when the hard times, the persecution comes, it, it, it falls away. And I, I, I'm passionate And we are here at Renew about having a church full of people who are the people who the Father seeks, who worship Him in spirit and truth. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.